Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church from the Gospel of Matthew. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It is, <clears throat> is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet God in heaven feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to the span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Neither they, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the, the grasses of the field, which is alive today and thrown into the oven tomorrow, will God not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, and what will we drink, or what will we wear? Those without faith are always running after these things. God knows everything you need. Seek first God's reign and God's justice, and all these things will be given to you besides. Enough of worrying about tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of itself. Today has troubles enough of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, let's pray together. Beloved, on this morning, um, as we come to you, as I show up um, to your word, to your presence, I ask for the peace that surpasses all things. I ask for the peace that meets us in the midst of our worries, that meets us in the midst of our tears, our suffering, that meets us in the midst of our struggles, our confusions, our broken relationship, that meets us in the midst of every crack and corner of this life. God, our beloved, speak to us. And if we do not hear your words, I pray that you would just be with us as we sit in your word, in your spirit, as we share your bread and your wine. Teach us to consider, to pay attention, to open our eyes to your world that is all around. May you use the words of a broken man like myself. May you use them for your good, for your glory. In your name we pray, amen. That you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm... Uh, 
I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here they are. Stop it! Stop it? Yes. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you... you, you you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. Then stop it! I, I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since childhood. No, no, childhood. no. <laughs> no, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop it. <laughs> if you um, have seen it, it's one of my favorite clips of all time. And I wonder how you receive the words. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Or God continues to repeat again and again. Do not fear. Have faith. Jesus says to his disciples, do not be anxious. Stop it. Just stop being anxious. For anyone who maybe struggles with anxiety or anxiousness, which is probably all of us in the room in some level, in some way, one of the worst ways to deal with anxiety is just to say, okay, just stop being anxious. I'm going to stop being anxious. It's like trying to go when you're like wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, okay, just go back to bed. Go back to bed. Go back to bed. Nothing keeps you more awake. How do you hear Jesus' commands? Words. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. What's the context for who Jesus is speaking to? Because these are not things to mess around with. The worry, the anxiety in our life so often robs life itself. And we know it. And we long to stop it. We long to have faith. We long to see another and different day but it seems to show its ugly face again and again. And so if the command is simply, just don't do it anymore, it seems to fall empty. Is Jesus simply pulling his disciples aside, a small group on a grassy hill overlooking the beautiful sea of Galilee, preaching the sermon on the mountain, saying, my disciples, just stop it. Do it different. Be better don't be anxious. Stop worrying. It's a waste of time. We all know that's true, right? For many of us, I think we approach our faith with this sense, whether we want to or not. There are things that we can do and things that we should not do. 
in our lives. And, and we long to maybe just kind of follow this code, this ethic, this moral way of being, of, of doing the things that we're supposed to be doing and stop doing the things that we're not supposed to be doing. And if we do that, then we can crown ourselves as a person of faith. I'm not going to lie. I honestly wish it was that easy and that clear. I was told it was. But it hasn't worked that way for me, and I know for all of us in this room. I wish following God and living a life was as clear-cut. It was just a game that made sense. The rules were clear. The behavior was clear. And if we just followed the rules and did what was good, then it would work out. And if we did, when something bad happens, we just stopped it, and then it would be okay. But if we approach Jesus' words or even commands in this way, as some kind of code of being, some kind of game in which we are playing, if we approach our relationship with God in such a way, I know that we will miss the deep transformational and relational movement and music of life. Christ is always calling and inviting us into deeper ground, a deeper state of being. Christ is always extending an invitation of intimacy, of profound connection with us, with God, with ourselves, with others, with the place in which we were created in creation itself. Oh, search me and know me, O oh Lord, the psalmist says. Where can I run from you? You're always there. The music's always playing. You're always inviting me into a deeper space. So in this context, Jesus, he's just called these disciples. And before taking them on this epic transformational journey with him, Jesus stands on a hillside overlooking probably the Sea of Galilee, and he teaches mostly to this intimate group which he kind of knows but deeply loves. But he is also teaching to a small crowd that is listening, that, that is looking for a new way of being in this world. And Jesus preaches these amazing words from Matthew 5 and to Matthew 7. These words that, that are literally bread for the journey. These words that are not some mode of conduct, that are not some rules to be played by, but they are transformational at their core. Jesus begins to play a music that opens the ears to people who have felt the silence of God for so long. It is a new understanding of Scripture. It is a new understanding of God that Jesus is talking about. It is a new consciousness. It is a radical way of being in this world. And as you hear these words today, you are overhearing these intimate words that Jesus is saying to his disciples and also saying for us this morning with compassion, with heart, with the knowledge that the journey ahead is going to go up and down, filled with loss and joy. Just before this passage about not worrying or not being anxious, Jesus just talked about our relationship with money. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just before that, he talked about our relationship with generosity, with giving. 
He says, and when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Yet all of these commands, all of this new way of being, this new way of following God in this world, I think is kind of under this umbrella of some deep relationship in which Jesus is functioning out of. It all falls under this umbrella of this prayer. Teach us to pray, Jesus. Teach us the conversation that you're having with the divine that's helping us live in the way that builds a new, new relationship with our money, that builds a new relationship with our enemies, that builds a new relationship in our marriages, in our friendships, in our forgiveness, in all of things. What conversation is motivating the way in which you move and journey through this world? And Jesus begins this whole prayer of teach us to prayer with Abba, living God in heaven. In intimacy, a name that has never been given to God. But Jesus knows this God, this living Father, Abba in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth, here in this creation as it is in heaven. This is the groundwork. This is the prayer. This is the place in which Jesus begins to see everything differently. And in through this prayer, Jesus is whispering to his disciples. If you're wanting to see transformation in your worry, in your finances, in your relationship with the enemies, in justice, in all of it, it's going to begin with this life of prayer that is deeply rooted in a loving God. Can you take in the truth that there is a beloved who sees you, who knows you, who walks with you? So when Jesus is commanding his disciples not to worry, not to be anxious, he's inviting them into this deeply rooted life of prayer in a continual conversation with a loving God. A life in prayer which is not just about our words and closed eyes, but is about our everyday actions. It is about everything, our entire life, as a part of being connected to that divine God who knows us and loves us, calls us beloved. It is from this place that Jesus longs to say, do not be anxious, do not worry. Can you hear the tone can you hear the rootedness he has in this, re in this relationship with the creator? It's still a command. It's still a hope for the way in which we would live and move in this world. But it's way beyond just stop it. Anxiety. Anxiousness. It's an intense, excessive, persistent worry and fear about everyday situations. We feel it usually as a fast heartbeat, rapid breathing, sweating, and feeling tired. At times, it is a feeling of losing control or being unsure of what the world is asking of you. When you are unsure of who you are and what the world is asking of you, we begin to feel this embodied anxiety. Maybe you're even feeling it in your body right now. It is often paired with the belief that there is not enough 
And so I need to make sure I store what I have so that I can be in control and be safe. And we become afraid that there's just not enough out there. Or maybe if it's there's not enough out there, the other fear, the other root begins to be maybe I'm not enough. I'm not enough for what this world, what these relationships, what my boss, what the demands of the kids are asking of me. I'm just not enough. I'm losing control. It is embodied whether you want it to be or not. Tell that to my sixth grade sweat glands at the first dance. I didn't want to be anxious, but they said, we're anxious right now. My friends, it's also normal. It's part of being human. It's part of what keeps us alive in many ways. Yet it has the potential to rob us of our days, to rob us of our presence to rob us of our relationships, and even to rob us from an entire life. And so Jesus wants to get to the heart of it. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet their God in heaven feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like any of these. Jesus is inviting us into this deeper place because he so deeply loves us and knows how loved we are to a place where we don't become entrapped, to a place in which our life doesn't begin to be eaten by our worry, by our scarcity, by our shame. But Jesus doesn't just say, hey, stop doing it. Stop being worried. He actually gives us some like, bread for the journey. He actually gives us some like medicine, some elements that is like, okay, I I know just saying like stop it isn't going to totally help the situation. Um, Okay, so at the groundwork of it is this God, this loving God that is with you and being in daily conversation with that God, maybe that begins to give you a bedrock of identity in life. But there is even more that is around you in which you can practice and move into. And so he uses this idea of consider the world around you. Consider the birds, consider the flowers, consider the creation that is all around you. Don't you see that there is even a loving God taking care of it? Now, I don't know about you, but if you watch any kind of nature shows and you consider the world around you, you're like, yeah, it's a pretty scary place. Things eat things, right? And we're reading this passage and we're like, yeah, but flowers die, Jesus. Sometimes birds get hungry. I don't think Jesus is trying to make just a direct, like, don't worry, that stuff's okay all the time. So will you be. I think he's trying to say when we pause enough, when we pay attention to the rhythms of this wild creation that is around us, we get to see this heartbeat of God. We get to see that we are a part of it. Consider. 
Consider to fix your mind upon with careful examination to meditate on, to view attentively, not to be negligent of, to look at closely and observe. Some believe that the word to consider literally means this, to observe the stars. Con with sedas, meaning heavenly bodies and stars, to consider, to set your gaze upon the stars, upon the birds, the flowers, the things around us, and as we pay close attention to them, they have a way of being a medicine to the soul that is anxious and worried and afraid. I don't get it, but I know for a fact it is true. I'm a little overwhelmed today because I just came out of the Grand Canyon for eight days. Um, there was a lot of silence and backpacking with friends, and you're all a little too much. Um, <laughs> but I like you. I went in, I li- we literally came out yesterday and drove here and got in at midnight, and... Uh, I'll tell you what, and I I won't tell you at all, because a lot of it belongs to me, and I'll hold it for myself. But I went in exhausted. I descended worn out, full of despair, worry, and anxiety. I had no prayers. I had no words for God. But you know what did happen is I considered, whether I wanted to or not, there's a lot of time to consider when you're just moving at one mile per hour. I considered as I watched the moon rise. I considered as I laid down to look up at the stars. I considered as I ran my hand over millions of years of history, of geological history that was just profound. I was on my hands and knees searching for seeds from a tree that were so beautiful and intricate. And within all of it, I sensed that I had a place, a rhythm, a presence, a connection to the beloved that is within it all. To see God's rhythm and grace within it all. To literally consider. I love the passage on the front of our worship guide. From Scott Erickson, it says this, the truth of our life is that from time to time we are faced with the reality that we have no power over. It's in these moments that our faith is questioned. Do I have enough faith? Do I need more? Is it all up to me? Do things change based on how much or right or correctly I pray? The poet Mary Oliver said, I don't know what prayer is, but I do know how to pay attention. When we consider the lilies, the birds of the air, we see the giver of all that is at work in all things of, hid, of hidden and miraculous ways. And it is in this consideration that we realize we are also in the same sacred river of divine intentionality. I was given a gift not too long ago, and it's probably one of my favorite prized possessions, and I think I've shared it before in this room. Um, 
my, my, wife, Lauren, my wife Lauren, her grandmother, um, who passed away not too long ago, she was a considerer. She moved to the world and she loved birds. She loved trees, she loved plants, she loved frogs, and she just was always kind of noticing them. This passage from Matthew was read at her funeral not too long ago. I was given this, which is a buckeye. And I always remember her. She carried it in her sweater and she would rub it and touch it, be close to it. Consider it. We are called to pay attention to the world around us, to the feelings within us, to the sweat glands that are trying to say something, to pay attention. And in the anxiety, in the worry, in the paying attention to the rhythms of this world, we begin to hear the sacred grace of a divine God that loves us and knows us and is here in the midst of it all. This is what Jesus is inviting us to, to know that there is a God that cares. Do you believe it? Some days, it keeps showing up. The last remedy that Jesus gives is one that we would consider the creation and the world around us and our part in it, but also begin to seek, in the middle of your worry, begin to seek with eyes of a world that is beyond just yourself, your fears, your scarcity, your wondering if I am enough. Seek first God's kingdom, God's justice, and all things will be given to you besides. What Jesus is trying to say is what does it look like to get out of yourself and to see the world as God sees and is moving in this world. So friends, um, don't just stop it. Instead, stop and consider Take a look at the stars. Stop, and in the silence, let the beloved gaze on you. You don't even have to talk. Just let God's gaze rest upon you. And if you're courageous enough, look back. Stop and seek good with others. The good for others and for our world. Seek a world that is beyond just your own control and security. Open your eyes to the realm and the reign of God that is within and all around. And let's call all of that prayer. Prayer.